It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Bill Rossetti back with you guys here from Panthers Wire and Pro Football Network. Today we're going to take kind of one last look at Thursday night's game against the Buccaneers, and we're going to dip into Pro Football Focus and look at the top players uh, in, in terms of grades, in terms of the PFF grades, to see how the players kind of uh, kind of stacked up against each other in the eyes of the boys and girls of Pro Football Focus. Uh, we'll start with on the defensive side of the ball, and not really too surprising, Luke Keekley and his uh, enormous number of tackles, uh, 17 to be exact, he wound up as the highest graded overall player by Pro Football Focus. Actually the highest graded Panther, because uh, we'll see... The highest offensive grade was in the 80s, but Luke Keekley ended up with a 90.6 overall grade from Pro Football Focus. He actually ended up with a near 90 grade in run defense, 89.7. Uh, they gave him an 85 in tackling, 76.3 in coverage. The only spot where he wasn't too swift in the eyes of PFF was actually in pass rush, only given a... 56.5 grade but overall obviously still a fantastic fantastic game by pro football focus for Luke Keekley and just looking at the numbers I mean when anytime you could have 17 tackles in a game that that's going to go down as a really great game whether you win or lose obviously it would have been better had they won the game but it still goes down as a, a really really good game for Luke Keekley. Uh, second on the list was actually F.A. Obata at 79.2. Uh, he was credited, uh, PFF credited him with a hit, uh, credited him with an uh, assisted tackle, gave him a 79.2 overall grade, run defense grade 63.8, tackling grade 69.6, and pass rush grade of 77.2. Obviously, no need for coverage grade because you'll never, see, you'll almost never see F.A. Obata out in coverage. But uh, overall, solid game for Obata. Really nice to just see him continue to step up, continue to develop, continue to be a really underrated pass rusher. You know, he, he may not have been uh, fully in the mix, really didn't play that many snaps, but he was at least effective uh, in the snaps. That he, uh, that he was in. Uh, fellow edge guy comes in at number three among the overall defensive grades on defense. That was Marquise Haynes, given a 79 grade. So just a tad below F.A. Obata. He was credited with uh, one total tackle. In fact, that was the sack. Uh, two tackles, one assist, also credited with two stops. By PFF, great overall grade 79, rush defense 68.6, tackling grade 74.7, pass rush 61.7, and coverage grade 
74.4. Then fourth on the list was Shaq Thompson at 78.2. He was uh, he was cut or credited with one total pressure as he was credited for a hurry, eight tackles and uh, six stops. Also targeted five times, if I'm reading right, in the uh, in the coverage game. Uh, his overall grade of 78.2, rush defense 65, tackling 57.5, pass rush 71.1, and coverage 76.6. And then rounding out the top five was Mario Addison. So a lot of linebackers on here. 76.6 overall grade, 55.6 rush defense, tackling 71.2, pass rush 81.6. PFF credited him with four total pressures on Jameis Winston. One sack, one hit, and two hurries. Also credited with an assisted tackle. So that was the top five. And then rounding out the top ten, just real quick, was Brian Burns at 73.1. Jermaine Carter, 71.1. Gerald McCoy, excuse me, 70.2. Dontari Poe, 69.7. And Christian Miller in just six total snaps, was given a 66.5 grade. So that's the top 10 on the offensive side of the ball. We'll touch on the, or excuse me, on the defensive side of the ball. We'll touch on the offensive side of the ball in a minute, but I want to take a quick moment to thank a couple of our sponsors, as always, here on the Locked On Network, starting with our friends over at Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now for 20% off your first order. Visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code LOCKED ON. And today's show is also brought to you by our buddies over at MyBookie. Hey, at the end of the week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and just watch some football. Game winning touchdowns on two minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sport book. And don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play and where you should too. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. So do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Offensive side of the ball. Top grade for them was actually Chris Hogan, interestingly enough. Guy only played in three snaps, had one catch, but was given a grade of 88.2. Grade in the passing game, 60 in run blocking. Yeah, I'm I'm just reading the numbers, folks. Uh, I'm just looking at the numbers, but he has a grade of almost 90, and he only played in three snaps, which... You know, could be considered a good thing. Very limited. Maybe he, maybe he's trying to work his way onto the field more. Who knows? He's he's got some work to do in, in this offense, just to to get on the field. But that's the fact of the matter is he was eighty eight point two in just uh, in three snaps. Greg Olson came in next on the list at seventy one point four, essentially the highest starter or the highest grade for a starter for the Panthers on Thursday. 71.4 offense, 72.5 in the passing game, 80.1 pass block, 47.9 run block. Then it was DJ Moore, as we know, played all but four snaps. He got a grade of 69.5, uh, 68.5 in the pass game, and 60.3 in run blocking. Then it was Taylor Moten with a grade of 64.4, pass block 77.9, run block 54.3. And then Chris Manhurts came in at number 5 with a, with a grade of 63.4, pass grade 57, pass blocking grade 76, and 58.8 in the run blocking department. And then just running through... The, uh, the rest of the top 10 real quick. It was Curtis Samuel at number 6 with a 62.7. Christian McCaffrey, 61.2. Uh, so, obviously not the greatest of games. He only got a 60.2 grade in the run game. And we know how much he struggled to run the ball. So, hopefully that turns around very quickly. Trey Turner was 8th at a 60.8. Dennis Daly was actually the ninth highest grade with a grade of 60, and he played just one snap. Uh, but he was just inside the top 10, go figure. And then Greg Van Roten was at a 59.7. He came in at number 10. Uh, for the record, Cam Newton actually had the worst grade among the 16 offensive players on the Panthers that PFF graded Thursday night. Let, let me repeat that just to kind of continue the, the the stretch that we're going on, how much Cam Newton has seemingly started to break down. Of the 16 players graded, Cam Newton had the worst grade among the among all 16 of them. He had just a 44.7 offensive grade, 51.2 in the pass game, 29.2 in the run game. Remember, he had zero yards rushing on, uh, what, two carries. And then 60.1. His, his best grade actually came in the run blocking at a 60.1. Uh, 
But overall, 44.7, the worst grade for the the uh, for the offense. And actually, if we go back and compare that to the defense, the lowest defensive grade given was Kyle Love at 32.4. So he actually graded better than four, or excuse me, three, three defensive players did Cam Newton. Kyle Love, 32.4. Eric Reed, 38.7. And Dante Jackson, 43.8. So he wasn't the worst player on the, on the Panthers, uh, but he was the fourth worst player on the Panthers. So that's, uh, that's not good. That's obviously got to, that's obviously got to turn around. But that's, uh, that's kind of a look at the, at the PFF grades, at least on offense and defense and kind of where some of these players stand. So I think we can finally put that game to rest. Um, this team's just got to turn around. It's time to focus on Arizona and it's time to think about how to stop Kyler Murray. Um, so I think we'll kind of touch on some first Cardinals thoughts. I also want to touch on the Mika Fitzpatrick news a little bit because I, I wrote a short piece the other day on Panthers Wire, uh, whether the Panthers should go after him. We know, of course, now that the trade is done. So I just want to touch on that quick. But before we get into that and kind of wrap things up, I want to thank one more of our great sponsors. That's our old buddies. You know them well now over at Vivid Seats, the great uh, the great concert, sporting, whatever uh, ticket place you you want to consider it. Uh, and like I said, this is a this is this would be something good for me because of the way I love going to concerts. I'm going to one on Thursday, and Vivid Seats is now offering you guys the uh, loyalty rewards program that actually can give you credit towards future purchases. So, I mean, that's just, that's just fantastic. You know, everybody loves to save money on uh, concerts because, I mean, we all love going to see our favorite bands or going to see our favorite teams. And who wouldn't want to save money by doing so? And you can do that now with the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program, which will allow you to earn credit towards your next live event. And if you download the Vivid Seats app, you are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats rewards program. You can earn double credit back from 10 to 16% on all your purchases. And every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. So from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app, Join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today. Use the promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. So again, that's KICKOFF at checkout for a discount of up to $100. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. 
What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. So, real quick, I want to touch on... Minka Fitzpatrick, because obviously I thought he was a player that the Panthers could have went out. Really, all I said all thirty, all thirty-one teams should have been on the phone with the Dolphins trying to make a trade. But as we saw last night, the news broke: a trade did go down, and it was the Pittsburgh Steelers coming away with Minka Fitzpatrick. There were a few other draft picks involved, but. Uh, obviously, the big headline is the Steelers get Minka Fitzpatrick, the Dolphins get another first-round pick, which was really what they were hoping for. So the Dolphins now have three first-round picks. They have their own first-round pick, which very possibly is going to be the number one overall pick. They have the Houston Texans' first-round pick, remember, from that trade that got them, or that sent Larry Mutunsel and Kenny Stills to Houston. And now they have Pittsburgh's first-round pick, which is an interesting trade for Pittsburgh. Now that Ben Roethlisberger is done for the season, Mason Rudolph is in. You could look at it, I think, from both teams' perspectives. I think from Pittsburgh's perspective, it says that they have a lot of faith in Rudolph. It says, I think, they, they can still compete this season, and getting a guy like Fitzpatrick could help save their season. Miami, on the other hand, is probably looking at this and saying, Mason Rudolph is probably not going to do much for them. We think we can get a high draft pick. And I read on on Twitter uh, from ESPN's Football Power Index, I think it was, I think they said there's about a 30% chance that the Steelers pick is going to end up in the top five and about a 60% chance that it ends up in the top ten. So the Dolphins could very well end up with two top ten picks and possibly – two top five picks, and you add in that third pick from the Texans, they're going to be able to move up and down the board. Now, in terms of the Panthers, I thought, I obviously thought Minka would have been a great fit in Carolina. Um, you could have slotted him in, in the nickel in place of J.D. Nelly. You could have put him at corner opposite Dante Jackson. You could have put him at safety because we know he can play so many different positions. He just... Really would have been a good fit, but I don't know if the Panthers, you know, it's hard hard to tell how much interest there truly was, uh, especially with the possibility that the Panthers could have a high pick and were they really willing to gamble at? And I wrote that in the piece. I said, you have to take into consideration where the Panthers might sit potentially in the top 10 and who they could get with that top 10 pick. Like we talked about yesterday with uh, Kyle Krabs' first mock, he is the Panthers taking Grant Delpit. You also have three other good corners, uh, you know, and, and looking in the at the big board on the draft network, there's three other good corners that they have just outside the top ten. They have uh, Paulson Adebo out of Stanford. You have Bryce Hall 
out of Virginia, and you have Christian Fulton out of LSU. So that right there, there's four really good defensive backs that the Panthers could potentially land at the top of next year's draft. So maybe that's why, because there was a report of the teams that seemed to be interested and the Panthers weren't on that list. So maybe in the back of their minds, that's kind of what Carolina was thinking in not really strongly pursuing Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, but the news now is that Minka Fitzpatrick is a stealer, and now it sounds like Jalen Ramsey is on the trading block after his agent requested a trade. And the way Schefter's been tweeting, it, it that could possibly happen too. I mean, this is getting crazy, all these players. I just watched a clip from Steve Young from Monday Night Countdown starting to compare it to the NBA. I don't know if we're getting to that level yet, but you are obviously starting to see some players that have basically worked their way to other teams. We saw it with Antonio Brown and what he did with the Raiders. We kind of just saw it now with Mink Fitzpatrick, and we're kind of starting to see it with Jalen Ramsey. So is this the future of the league? I don't know. But it, it's just wild to see the way these players are really starting to almost kind of dictate themselves in the, in, in this player movement. And I think you have to wonder if the, the amount of years towards free agency now is going to become a big sticking point in the, in the upcoming CBA deals or in the upcoming CBA negotiations, whether, you know, whether they get, say they get rid of that fifth year option for first round picks or, or maybe they shorten contracts to three years instead of four for these players to go out and get big contracts. That's obviously down the line. Really don't want to talk about lockouts too much right now, but um, just kind of touching on just kind of seeing, you know, just getting an idea of where things could be going in the league. But make of Fitzpatrick now with the Steelers. We'll see now next where Jalen Ramsey goes. But the Arizona Cardinals, I want to touch on them quick. 0-1-1, um, you know, they had the tie against the Lions in week one. They they were close with the Ravens, but uh, just didn't seem to have enough firepower. Obviously, a lot of weapons on that team. We know that. You have Larry Fitzgerald. You have uh, Keyshawn Johnson. You have uh, Andy Isabella. You have, you have a bunch of great players, a lot of good receivers, and, of course, David Johnson, who has been up and down lately. Um, it'll, be nice to, it'll be nice to see the, the Cardinals utilize him more and kind of get him back on track from, from where he used to be. So there's some, there's some good players on this offense, but it's, it's still a beatable offense. The offensive line uh, still kind of struggles. So I, th I think this is definitely a spot where uh, the, the the Panthers, especially in the front seven, can really take advantage. I think really frustrate Kyler Murray. You know, if, if you can if you can flush him out of the pocket, I think you can um, you can get to him a little bit. So that that's going to be the big key, I think, especially going up against a young quarterback. Is you got to get pressure on Kyler Murray. Uh, defensive side of the ball, you know, the big thing is stopping uh, Chandler Jones, obviously. Somehow, some way, they, they've got to stop Chandler Jones. And 
that obviously means a big improvement has to be made from week two with the way Darrell Williams was getting handled by Shaq Bear. Now he's going to face Chandler Jones, who is still one of the best edge players, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. So that's really where the Panthers offense has to has to step up is that they got to keep Chandler Jones away. And I mean, you've got some other talent too uh, throughout the defense as well. Um, they have a, they have a really good young secondary. They've got, you know, we know they went out and picked up guys in the draft, guys like Byron Murphy. We know Buda Baker is, is a good safety. DJ Swearinger is a solid safety. Jermaine Brock, who nearly had the interception at the end of overtime that probably would have won the game for the Cardinals uh, in week in that week one tie. But I mean, there, so there's there's some good players. It's it's a it's an intriguing defense, but you know there's certainly spots that you can take advantage. Uh, but I mean, they, they've they've got to stop. I, I keep coming back to Chandler Jones, but that that's really what it comes down to. The pan. The Panthers have to stop him. If they can't, then it could be a long day. And then, like I said, offense, got to find a way to pressure Kyler Murray. Got to find a way to contain Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, Christian Kirk is, is developing into a good receiver as well. Um, but you, you can get to Kyler Murray because this offensive line is not the greatest. And so, so this is definitely a winnable game. I mean, you know, there's... There is a reason why the Panthers have entered this game, at least early in the week, as the uh, as the early favorites. And certainly, you know, ho- hopefully, we get into the the crossover Wednesday and touch on this a little bit more. But the early thought is, Carolina should win this game. You know, the 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 defense has to step up. If they do, and you get pressure on Kyler Murray. Going to be tough for them to put up points, I think. So, you know, we'll see. There's a lot, a lot of time till the game, but I, I still feel, and I feel like I've been the kiss of death right now because I picked the Panthers to win their first two games. Hasn't happened. I almost feel like I should pick them to lose, almost like a reverse psychology, but I, I do feel like the Panthers are going to win this game. And, I mean, they have to. They start 0-3. They're in big trouble. And we, we touched on this before. Because then they go to Houston in week four, and they could be looking at 0-4 if things don't go right. And we know that only one team, since the playoffs expanded to 12 teams in 1990, only one team, that was the 92 Chargers, has ever started 0-4 and gone on to make the playoffs. Those Chargers went on to win 11 of their last 12 to actually win the division at 11-5. So the turnaround's got to start this week, especially if things start start to slip a little bit for the or for the Saints, um, the Buccaneers. You know, I still don't think they're that great. I think uh, I think they're going to tread water a little bit. The Falcons are obviously the the team to watch. I think they could still go either way, but I mean, can't deny it. They looked really good on Sunday. Even though, well, at let me take that back. They looked good at times on Sunday, and then there were times that they looked like they were trying to just give that game away to the Eagles. I mean, first of all, the Eagles had no business being even close in that game with the injuries. 
But they stayed tight, and the Falcons only won by four points. So the Falcons have to do a better job of just really being consistent and not shooting themselves in the foot. So is the division, and we touched on this yesterday, is the division wide open? Maybe not as much as other people think. I, I still think the Saints will be fine. If the Panthers are going to at least contend for a wild card spot, though, it, the the turnaround has to start Sunday. They they have to, this this is basically, and I think I said this before. You don't see too often must wins this early in the NFL season, but this is a must win for the Panthers. They have to get to one and two. You know they they have to start the turnaround and at least work themselves back, get themselves some confidence. Because if they drop to zero and three, you're all you're almost already starting to pack it in for the season. But again, as, as the week goes on, and again, hopefully we'll get the crossover in and touch a little more on this matchup. But the early thought is pressure Kyler Murray and stop Chandler Jones, and I think the Panthers will be okay. That'll do it for this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. I want to thank you guys, as always, for spending some time with me and hanging out. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Bill underscore SETI. That's R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. And follow the podcast on uh, Google Podcasts, Apple, wherever you listen. And until next time, we will see you right here. Keep it locked here on LOP. And until then, take care, my friends. We will see you next time. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.